All right, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. This is going to be a really fun one today. We actually have a three-man podcast going on. I have two guests. Um, I have Anthony Keeper, who is the chef and owner of Dolce, which is an awesome restaurant here in Omaha, and Tyler Ryan, who is the regional sales manager at Passport Unlimited. A um, little background on these two fine gentlemen. Uh, Dolce, I would say, is one of Omaha's premier fine dining restaurants. Just a real, real special place. And uh, Passport Unlimited is a company. They deliver everyday savings with special offers on restaurants, local shopping, health and wellness, entertainment, travel, and more, um, including 30 restaurants, thir- more than 30 restaurants here in Omaha. So that little background on those two guys, but I also want to give you guys a chance to kind of introduce yourself. So we'll start with you, Anthony, just kind of at a high level, how would you describe Dolce to new diners? Um, We're kind of tasting menu driven. So whether you get our date night menu, which is a four course paired um, menu or uh, our chef's five course tasting, we also have an a la carte menu, but um, we're in, gradient driven to where we try to find things pop up that we are able to use. Uh, the other night I had a gentleman that came in and, uh, it was like six 30 on a Saturday night. He comes walking in with a cooler with a, with a sales pitch. I almost kicked him out. <laughs> uh, but, um, he is now my new premier microgreens dealer because he brought me one ingredient that were these corn shoots Yeah, and grows them in complete darkness. And so there's no chlorophyll, but they're like super, super sweet. And I highlighted them on my menu, my tasting menu all weekend long. So it was like that changed at the moment at 630 on a, on a actually it was a Friday night. So I ran that, that the entire weekend. Yeah. So those some of the pictures, but um, that's the type of things that we like try to do. Um, I mean, like last night, you know, I just pulled together a couple things and put them in front of you with uh-huh. major flavors. I mean, the artichoke creme brulee is something that we... I came up with a number of years ago when working in Germany, but um, yeah, as as a restaurant here in Omaha, um, we we're a little different than we're not stuffy. We have a good relaxed atmosphere. Very, um, you know, if you want to come in in a suit and dress up and get get real fancy, we we can help you do that. You know, but if you want to, you know, just come in for a quick bite, and then, you know, like you did last night, you know, uh-huh. you intended on having a quick bite and uh, I, I changed your plans. <laughs> we were there for like two and a half hours, but it's yeah. two and a half beautiful hours. Yeah. And that's what we want people to do. We mm-hmm. want people to come in and just relax and enjoy each other. The, the restaurant gets a little loud on the weekends, but um, it's got a real cozy atmosphere and uh, we like to, you know, showcase good ingredients and with a rotational menu that we're actually about, we're changing Going to our spring menu uh, right after Valentine's weekend. Mm. So, Yeah, I think that's what makes Dolce such a special and unique place is I think when people think about tasting menus and they hear that, they think, okay, you know, this is going to be something where, you know, I am going to have to wear a suit or a dress. You know, we're going to have to dress up. This is going to be four hours. It's going to cost us $300 or something. That's not Dolce. Dolce is offering that same level of cuisine and that same type of cuisine, the same quality with the ingredients and everything, but it's not stuffy. It's very approachable. Um, it's very fair priced, everything across the line. So basically everything you just said, I thought was really cool. And even just highlighting that one ingredient, you know, that you were able to, to come up with this weekend. I, I love that, that you can just 
audible on the fly and just be like, oh, here's something completely new that I didn't even know existed. Now I'm going to make like four dishes that just highlight it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun that weekend, but uh, yeah, we do that quite often. Um, yeah. It's just kind of cooking on the fly is what I good at. And we're You're very good sm- at we're, much, <laughs> we're, we're, a, we're a small kitchen and um, a small dining room. I mean, we pretty much have, 40 seats in the place, including the bar. So, mm-hmm. um, and I can see how the guests are reacting and things like that because the dining room is, is so quaint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, we, you know, we don't, we don't do large batch of ingredients and things like that. We don't do things that last a few days. Uh, if we do any large batches, you know, we got cryovac and we can freeze some things. It's just like ragu and some certain proteins, but yeah, we, we, we keep it, we buy in small batches and we just rotate through things and we're able to change if, if something is outed and we're shorted on something from a produce company, we can we'd be like, well, we'll just change it on the menu and do it this way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, now Tyler, I want to bring you in real quick. Um, can you maybe just tell us Dol- Dolce is a passport restaurant. Um, right. Can you tell us a little bit more about passport unlimited? What makes Dolce such a good fit for what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So, Passport was designed originally to connect um, business professionals with a fine dining experience. Right. Um, Dolce has been with us for many, many years now. Um, and what we do is we market to a, sp- a specific demographic of individuals, of re- business owners, uh, business managers, corporations, of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we connect them with that fine dining experience like Dolce. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's really cool. I think that that's a, a really good way to kind of um, open up people to different restaurant experiences that maybe, you know, they wouldn't have known about or they wouldn't have found, you know, previously. Um, so, yeah, I, I think what you guys are doing is really cool. Um, Anthony, I want to come back to you. I want to like I love that you've already kind of dealt dived into the tasting menu thing because mm-hmm. that's something I really want to hit on in this episode. But I want to start just with your background because it's fascinating. You were born in the Netherlands. You moved around a lot as a kid. You've cooked in Omaha. You've cooked in Colorado. You've cooked in Germany, places that I probably don't even know. But you've been everywhere and you've been in you know fast food restaurants, fine dining restaurants. You've kind of seen the entire spectrum. How have all those different experiences kind of shaped you into the type of chef you are now and i think how has that helped you be able to you know make these courses on the fly like you were just talking about well yeah starting at an early age uh, i was cooking at home and then got into yeah what what, what what do teenagers do when they need a job and they need gas money they end up working yeah i worked at pizza hut Taco <laughs> Bell, godfathers um a couple of sub sandwich shops and just slightly uh, different than what you do. Yeah. I went to, went to Zio's, then Julio's grandmother's. And then I ended up at this place called the uh, bistro at the market. And that's where like, I was like, they, they, they treated me like, like crap. And I was like, I was fascinated by it, but it was, it was like, the, this was real. Uh-huh. It was like, it was like, why is this food better and different than everything that I've known? so far uh-huh. and I'd seen a lot of the shows on PBS I was inspired by a couple of chefs back in the day Jacques Pepin 
is one. Um, and uh, um, Justin Justin Wilson, I think is his, remember his name. He's a he was a uh, Creole chef. He used to go woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, Justin Wilson, that was the guy. But yeah, what set it apart? What was different? And then, you know, how the ingredients were prepared, how the kitchen was activated, like everybody took pride in their work, you know. I mean, whereas other places, they're just trying to bang out a menu, you know, and this is where menus changing and, you know, cooks talking about food and then there are compiles of food magazines and pictures. And, uh, yeah, shortly after, that's when I went to culinary school. And then uh, after culinary, I got with the Ritz-Carlton, um, and they sh- – they shipped me around a little bit, mm-hmm. and I worked in every single department in the hotel. I chose Kansas City to be kind of home-based, and plus it was a decent-sized city. Mm-hmm. But um, they sent me to Atlanta to work for the Olympics for a couple weeks and then moved me back, and then um, Bali and Osaka, Japan, and San Francisco, where I worked in a pastry shop there for six weeks, and her, uh, Sylvain Porte, who's actually brilliant uh, pastry chef, but I can't. I still can't do the stuff that he does, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's 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 kind of the inventor of like the chocolate globe and things like that. Oh wow! Things, yeah, yeah I got uh, those. But this, these were you know in the '90s, so some of those food trends have remained, but um, food trends have changed. Uh, we're going back to smaller farms and things like that. Chefs are really seeking out ingredients, and that's important to like sustainability and just you know finding a good food source. But um, yeah, travel. Uh, yeah, I've been all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I when I got finished with the Ritz Carlton, um, I ended up kind of phasing out for a moment, and I went to Fort Collins for a number of years. And actually, to make ends meet, I was working construction. Wow! Uh, yeah, and then working really? in, working in kitchens and bars and doing whatever I could there. Um, but then I did. I made this guy had this concept, and I taught him and his staff how to make tempeh and really it was funny because i have a scientific mind but i i had only read about it like six weeks prior and had a few incubations at home and then we built this box and this incubator and read you know you know the the internet was new and things were slower back then but it we still yeah i went to the library at colorado state university and got some nerd knowledge and Started making tempeh at this place and got his, got him a bread program and with his sourdoughs and it's a, it's a sandwich shop. Uh-huh. But it was like it was real work back then even. Um, but yeah, got bored with Fort Collins. Um, lost some weight because I was with a girl at the time. But um, then moved to Aspen, and that was that was that was when you know stuff kind of got real again. Mm-hmm. We started working back in fine dining. Um, then met a girl who is now my wife, moved to Germany, uh, worked in a, uh, one-star restaurant there that became two-star Michelin uh, while I was there. Um, shortly after I left, uh, I worked there for two years. Shortly after I left, he dropped a star and then sold the restaurant and now does like, um, a curry verse thing like in, you know, like, like what you see in malls, like a food court right, type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there, he's got like. 52 stores all over Germany now. It's called Curry It's a little Pirates. bit of a pivot. <laughs> yeah. And then um, once she was done with school and we were done in Germany, we moved back to Aspen for a short period of time. And then we, after Aspen, um, 
you know, we decided to, we were like, well, we don't want to live here anymore. Things didn't change while we were gone. And a lot of things remained the same. And the job market was a little different then. And so I took a job at a hotel in uh, the Beaver Creek area. And we ended up moving there. And we spent eight and a half years there. Um, we were blessed with twins. Uh, one, you know, we, we've got, we're, I got three kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the twins came second. And um, that's what brought us to Omaha was the fact that one of the guys couldn't couldn't handle breathing in the altitude. So it was a hard decision to make, but um, yeah, coming back to Omaha was, wasn't, you know, too shabby, uh, a little tough in the beginning, but now that I have Dolce, it's uh, getting a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing that long winding road, so many different experiences, so many different, you know, things that you got to kind of get your hands on. I think, you know, all those different things helped, shape you into the chef that you are now and Omaha is better for it. Yeah. Um, just to give, and, and you touched on this a little bit, but I want people to, to have a, you know, full understanding. So you have always a four course date night tasting menu. Yes. You do tasting menus for special occasions like new year's Valentine's day. So this is, this is coming out before Valentine's day. So yeah. if you don't have Valentine's day plans, this is this is a good option. Consider that, and you also have a five course just tasting menu where people just you know you come into Dolce and it just says tasting menu on the menu, and they're trusting you yeah. as the chef, and they don't necessarily know you know you can ask the server and get a general idea of what's coming out, but you just go in and say I know that this guy is going to put out great food and I trust it. Where do you get the inspiration? For all these, you know, these different menus because they do change so much. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, you had the guy come in the other night and yeah. and that really inspired you. But you're, you're not having somebody walk in with a cooler all the time and selling you new ingredients. So where does that inspiration actually, come actually from? Actually, it happens more than you think. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I stand once, corrected. Because once, once, there are small little pocket farms and people that maybe only sell to three or four restaurants, you know, yeah. because that's all they can supply. There are a lot of hobbyists. Um, uh in the summer, I do a lot of home gardening. So our specials and things like that, you know, people, there's, there's been a couple of my customers who do these tasting menus often, and they've been there through like two whole full like seasons of what I've grown. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so when do the carrots come in? Or when, <laughs> when, when, you know, when, yeah. when are you going to have those black radishes again? And, you know, are you growing this? And, you know, I, you know so, yeah, yeah. That's that's been kind of a, a niche. It's it's what ingredients are available and what we can get our hands on, and then then sometimes we're like, well, what can we do with this? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we've we've been doing a lot of the same things and and keep you know standard techniques that we know are proven well. And uh, but yeah, I I get there's some nights where I have no idea what it's going to be. I know what proteins I'm using and I know I've got a few ingredients here and there. And then it's like, all right, now I need a dessert. That's usually the trouble. But I, uh, yeah, I'm not, like I told you last night, I could do a lot of things with yeast and bread and things Uh like that. And I'm good with, you know, creams and some things, but uh, baking like the cakey stuff. That's not my strength. Uh, but and I, it I doesn't could, need to be. You no, crank no, out some no. amazing desserts without yeah, cake. Like last night, yeah. I did that. Um those little 
dumplings that were filled with uh, rice pudding. Oh my gosh! And just other stra- strawberry hot and sour because it was you know kind of you know Chinesey with fried fried goodness and then the the strawberry, strawberry caviar. caviar. Yeah, that was so good. Oh my gosh! And so, so good. Yeah, these caviars powder, yeah. they're just like little like you just you bite into them and they're just like a pop, they're like this tiny little balloon, and it just like. I think I described to Sarah as like an upscale gusher, yeah, <laughs> but it does okay. so much better. It's yeah. just, and they just look like little pearls on your plate. I mean, so that was something that you just totally came up with off the top of your head, like on the spot. Um, no, I've been doing that kind of technique okay. for a little while, but it's like what, what we can put in them. I, mm-hmm. I, I, there's really like, I failed at a few of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, from Valentine's, I'm going to do it with, um, uh, bloody mary so oh boy so i take a bloody mary and strain that out and try to make it almost clear um and you get it spin it in a centrifuge and make it clear and then make those things so they'll be on top of the oysters Mm -hmm. and so you'll eat the oysters and then that'll have like that mignonette sour with that bloody mary tomato taste that'll complement and spice oh my gosh so that'll complement the oyster yeah that sounds fantastic that's my one trick for valentine's and that'll yeah the other ones are, are we're, we're getting prepped up for that now. So, so when you're presented with a new ingredient, whether that's something that you see and you want to grow in your garden or it's something that someone brings to you, does your mind just like immediately just start firing off and you're thinking about, okay, I can use this this way. I can, you know, use this different treatment. On. I'm, is that just how your brain works where immediately things just start popping? Yeah. And one thing I'll, you know, yeah, I, I'll, you know, we we make a joke about it in the kitchen. It's like, what, what chef ingredient of the week, you know, yeah. what it is. It's like, you know, this is going to be what we run for a while. And I'll like, I'll like, you know, we, we did forbidden rice there for a little bit and then we took it off the menu and then we've been, we've been running it on the fish for probably a week and a half, you know, but it's like these we phase in and out of these ingredients, but you know, one of them will jump out and inspire me. Um, and uh, that's what, it's going to help us shape the next menu too, is we take some of the things that we did on our tasting menu that we really liked and then just try to make them into a whole dish. Whereas like the tasting menu is kind of a whole dish in essence, but um, we have to add other components to it to mm-hmm. make, it, make it seem like a entree style thing so right. for people to please and gives them more flavors and adventure on that one plate. Um, if they're going the a la carte side. So. Yeah. And I think, Something that I want to mention is you guys have the tasting menus. You also just have standing menus. Yes, if, if people yes. want to come in, there will always be certain entrees and, and appetizers and salads and desserts that are available. And I know that you've worked in restaurants where there is just kind of that standing menu. And as a chef, you, you know, you're getting a little creativity, but you're basically making the same thing night after night. Yeah. How fun for you, is it to be able to kind of spread your culinary wings and just know when you go into work, like you could be calling a couple of different audibles tonight, but yeah. that's, but that's fun for that's you, right? That's fun. It's actually kind of what gets me off, I guess. Um, you know, there's I've worked in this industry for so long that it's like, you know, I've got a staff that handles my stuff really well. And um, <laughs> I'm finally at the point to where like I can be, I'm actually actually able to step out of the kitchen, and there's sometimes where I need to be in the office. That's the boring part. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, somebody's got to pay the bills. But um, yeah, and then 
really a lot of times I'll think about stuff mostly when I'm just driving around in my car. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Or I walk into, I go to several different places. There's one of these places, uh, restaurant Depot or something like that, but I don't really buy a whole lot of like fresh produce or proteins there. I get all my, I get all that stuff from local purveyors, but once in a while, you know, they have great cheese selection and some other things, but mm-hmm. I just get inspired by something I walk by, you know, blackberries or bananas and, you know, I'll just grab something in the store. And because we're such a small place, you know, like, you know, a handful of bananas could run a special for a weekend, uh-huh. you know, and then we're out, we're out. And I just don't pick up bananas again, you know, they go bad real fast. But, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the cool part about my job, I guess. And, and it, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of a humble guy, but I, I do get playful with the food. Um, and, Recently, uh, I've been pulling a lot of tricks out of the bag because I have worked for a lot of people and, you know, they, you, you get these things and you've done these things at certain restaurants, but you don't want to do them at others. Uh And they're kind of the, the, you know, your aces up your sleeve. And so, you know, I have a few dishes that I've brought back after many, many years of not putting them on menus because somebody's going to take that idea and steal that from you. You Uh It happens. It happens. Uh So. But it also comes a time it's like, you know, you, why hold back? I'm 46. I'm not getting any younger. And so uh, I need to, need to lay this knowledge down on my cooks and my staff and um, throw out some things that I've done in the past that I haven't done in a while. So there'll be some tricks here. There'll be some, there'll be some fun stuff. Can you give us a sneak peek? Like what's an example of that? Uh, well, I like to cook Creole. So we've got some things that will be going on for lunch and dinner on, uh, on uh, Mardi Gras. So Ooh, what, that t- yes. Fat Tuesday. So we're we we do gumbo. We're gonna do a good poor boy, and um, I'm gonna do a andouille biscuit and gravy for lunch. So <laughs> that'll be a oh my that'll be gosh. a good one. Yeah, we'll do a dirty dirty style. Oof. So yeah, that sounds excellent. Um, you hit on something that I'm really interested in, and I wanted to ask you about. I actually just got done reading a book about a restaurant in Boston, um, a Michelin star restaurant called Craigie on Main. And uh-huh. their, uh, their chef, Tony Maws, is like this brilliant guy who does a new tasting menu every single night. He's constantly inventing new things. But the problem, it, it's not really a problem because it's obviously a very successful restaurant, but there are times where his cooks and his sous chefs really struggle to keep up with him because he is such a genius and he can just create these things on the fly not everyone is on his level and they, you know, they just can't adjust as quickly as he can because they don't have his experience and they don't have his brain. So how do you, but you mentioned you don't have that much of a problem. How do you train your cooks to be able to create these new dishes when they are constantly changing? Um, usually like I, like I mentioned before the, some of the dishes they've executed before, Mm -hmm or have a similar technique and style for picking up and uh, the way the kitchen is divided, you know, um, the proteins guy just cooks the protein, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, so he, whether it's a different cut or a different thing that we, we went from doing lamb T bones to lamb uh, racks and uh, uh, like probably six months ago or seven months ago. And it's been really good for us, but the cook time on that was different. So mm-hmm. we go through a process, but I'm very hands-on. We have a very tight kitchen. I mean, we're really standing shoulder to shoulder back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with me being there, that 
yeah, it's constant training. And what's funny is usually by the time everything's clicking and everybody has that menu down and we've cross trained people on the, on the different stations. So we've, we fill each other's positions. Um, we change it, (laughs) (laughs) but it's also that that's also something that I have fun with because I, 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 I'm not trying to be cruel, but you know, the pain in their faces sometimes is, is hilarious. <laughs> like, what? what? Well, it keeps everyone on their toes. Well, yeah. Cause it, it, and then it changes stuff because, um, you know, one menu was super prep heavy, but then the pickups were really easy and very simple. Uh-huh. But then when we get into spring and stuff and the new menus are created throughout the summer, that's when it starts to change because we have so many options of fresh ingredients to use mm-hmm. that, you, your preparation goes high and then we've got different you you know the guy on entremetier hates it when i throw a two-pan pickup at him you know because he's only got five burners uh-huh. and um so yeah if he's picking up two different vegetables and things and something needs to be roasted this way and something needs to be cooked a different way then then he's like he's like i'm screwed and so but then we laugh and uh, yeah, <laughs> we so. just laugh at it. No, him. no, no. It, it, we've got a good camaraderie <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. kitchen. And uh, we just brought aboard uh, a new uh, person um, who came from another restaurant. And she's about to graduate culinary school. And she's going to change our whole dynamic because, well, she's young and she 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 wants it. So mm-hmm. I think it's good for her to experience what we've got to offer. And I get to, I get to, I'm actually going to change my tone here a little bit and um, make sure that I give her you know, like I said, I'm release. I'm going to release all this information on people, and you know, I've got uh, one of the guys in my in my regime is, is like 50, old retired Air Force, and this is like his second passion. So mm-hmm. you know, he he loves it. Mm-hmm. You know, he does a lot of the bread baking and things like that. And so we, we we've got kind of compartments where we put it. And so when I do change the menu, um, they know how to deal with it yeah. already because they kind of know my style, and it's not like we go all the way left. I mean, we do, we do small increment moving mm-hmm. uh, and cause you do, we're a tiny restaurant and you don't want to shock the ecosystem too hard <laughs> yeah. because if you, if you try to change things too much, too fast, um, the, the people, they don't respond well. Uh-huh. So yeah. Yeah. They, it's, but we've, 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 we've been able to make those moves and changes, you know, gradually and, you know, not reconceptualize in the middle of thing because that's just, that just creates chaos. Mm -hmm. So, um, something that I'm really interested in and I kind of, I don't know if this is right, but I, I kind of compare the creative process between creating these, these different dishes to writing. So like Mm -hmm. there'll be times where, where I, most of the time I I love to write and I just feel super inspired. And I'm like, I know what I'm going to write about. This is awesome. And there are some times where I sit down on my computer and I'm like, I got to pump something out for the newsletter and I just, I got writer's block. I don't know what I'm writing. I got nothing. Yeah. Are there times? Oh, oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. totally. Um, yeah, I, I'll have half a menu written (laughs) and I'm stuck on one dish. Uh I'm I'm like, what do I want to do with this dish? What's going to, you know, the rest of it flowed out like, yeah, here's that idea. Here's that idea. And then they're like, what are we going to do with the duck? <laughs> I was Check like, I was like, no, I said, I've done it this way. I've done it this way. We've used that sauce multiple times. I was like, but every time I think about duck, that's, that's the flavors that I think about. So I'm like, I want to do something new. What am I going to do with the duck? And I'll stick on it for like two, three weeks. And then it's like a week before that menu is supposed to drop. I was like, Oh, I got to get this out. And then 
yeah, it, it turns out to be something, you know, good or whatever. Sometimes it, sometimes I'm dissatisfied with it, but I'm like, that was, that was a good dish, but Mm -hmm. you know, that one was better. So, (laughs) so yeah, it's definitely, yeah. And to, you know, we, we have our failures. We have dishes that may, you may not see for, because we, we, te- we, you know, this chef's menu, like I said, we, that's where, that's our test kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly. How we know what works and, you know, oh, that dish was great, but the work on it was, it, you know, it took this much time to, to make that. It just doesn't, it just doesn't fit sometimes. So it's like, do you really want to make those dumplings every day? <laughs> like every day. <laughs> like yeah. That took two hours. Uh, yeah. You know, cause we did one. Oh yeah. It was what we did. Uh, the, Chinese soup dumplings, Zaling Bao. Uh-huh. And we had steaming baskets and stuff. Oh, that was crash and burn. <laughs> no, it sounds delicious, but well, I can imagine that's a lot of work you to make put the, together. You make the stock, you freeze it, you put it in there, you make you gotta make fresh dough every day. And you're like, How many of these are gonna sell? How many of these are we doing? I was like, you know, we put it on social media, we got a burst right away, but then like two days later, you know, we're eating them because we don't want them to go to waste. <laughs> and that dough doesn't, it's not something you're going to freeze. Uh-huh. It's not, you know, it's a live yeast thing. So you got to keep it light and fluffy. And, you know, if they sit overnight, the yeast kind of dies because you got to put them in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the quality is just, you got to check your quality. And that's what we, where we flex at, you know, mm-hmm. we can, we, that's, that's what helps us honestly with, you know, four to five menu changes a year. So, mm-hmm. you know, we figure these things out. And, um, I hate to tell people, but uh, we're pulling the plug on the schnitzel for a short period of time. Our arms are getting tired from pounding that pork. We sell so much of that stuff. It's a great, I think I it's saw a, it on like five oh, or six no. different plates last night alone. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a popular dish. I mean, we sell a lot of those. And, and you know, that's one of those things that I brought back from Germany is that technique. And so, we're, yeah, that's something like we do that every day. You can't bread something and hold it in a refrigerator because the bread mm-hmm. the, the breading soaks up moisture and doesn't cook the, the same way and then the meat relaxes as well so it's not as tender so we do that every day okay people if you want the schnitzel get out to dolce sooner rather than later it's not on valentine's weekend so what is that thursday the 13th yes would be the last day okay we'll bring it back but yes it's it's, it's, it's gonna take a, a little sabbatical for a minute so nothing wrong with that no uh, Tyler, I want to bring it, you in real quick, and this is probably a forced analogy, but I'm going with it. I, I would say like, you know, we talked a lot about today so far, like just bringing in a lot of different ingredients and stuff. I would almost say Passport Unlimited is kind of like a tasting menu of Omaha. Like I mentioned, you've got, you know, 30 plus restaurants available, including like Acadian Grill, which is Creole and Cajun. You've got Roja, which is Mexican, Brazen Hut. Brazenhead Pub, which is um, Irish food. You got Cobb's Pizza Company, obviously, pizza, hook and lime, tacos. I, I could go on and on. How have you gone about curating that list of restaurants, and, and what are the qualities that you look for when you're um, finding a passport and limited restaurant? Yeah, absolutely. So the, when we target specific restaurants, most of them come from recommendations from either current members or doing a market analysis on mm-hmm. what's popular in the market. Um, so that's about, that's more the way we go about finding restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, or we also check into new restaurants. So like cops pizza, yeah. uh, they were just a new re- uh, restaurant. So I reached out to Chris and got him signed up. Um, 
And then what was the second part of your question? Just um, how, how, I guess, what what makes a good passport restaurant? Like you're not just going to sign up with anyone. Okay, I guess right, like right. what what kind of quality are you looking for? What are you looking for in a restaurant? Um, food uh, is number one. <laughs> As uh, it should course, be. Right. Yes. Food is number one. Uh, whether they've got good taste in food, good looking food, um, and price points, of course. Um and then we go into presentation of the restaurant of, again, the food. Um, and then we also look into uh, going back to what people recommend. What, what are people wanting to eat? Mm-hmm. So those, are more, those three are the major categories of what I personally look into when I'm going after new restaurants. And that's certainly three qualities that would stand out with a place like Dolce, I yeah. would say. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Anthony, just... I'm really curious, like right now in this current time, as you're, you know, constructing these menus, is there any current food trend, whether that's a certain dish, an ingredient or a style of cooking that you are just like really liking and you find yourself, it keeps working its way into different dishes or different menus? Uh, that's a, that's a wild one that I've never thought about, but um, no, I, I, I mean, I, I read books and things and i get inspiration from a couple i follow a couple people on instagram uh paul lebron is probably one of the best tasting menu chefs out there at mm-hmm. current times um he's gonna do a, a thing over valentine's or i wish i could go out there but for, he's doing something one weekend at catbird seats so right now he's doing stuff um but yeah he he's french trained british guy came over here um was in New York and they did a special on him on HBO. It's called a matter of taste. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that changed me. <laughs> that, that, you should, you should look that up. It's okay. pretty cool, but it's basically how he chases the Michelin star uh-huh. when he, how he gets graded at this restaurant that they create called Corton. And yeah, they show him, you know, when he's even unemployed and stuff, it's wow. when he's consulting and making drinks and he actually does that spherification stuff. So yeah, he's he's one of the chefs that I follow, and so I'm always you know, in the morning. I'll be bumming around and take a relaxing moment after the kids leave the house and look at you know Instagram and see some of the chefs and that. And so even down to David Chang, I like that guy. He, oh yeah, know, he's yeah. awesome. I love his yeah, podcast. Yeah, he, he sings to my inner. I have, a, I have a little fat panda bear inside me that likes to eat <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I really, you know, I think. Asian food trends are becoming more, I should say, more mainstream, more acceptable, mm-hmm. where you just find that in the corner. You know, I mean, ramen is blown up, you know, yeah. and like, you know, it's not it's not the, the stuff you ate when you were poor. And, you know, it was 25 cents. It was salty. And you learned how to fix it. That was and, the what got everyone through college, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and I, I, you know, they use this word now hacking. I was like, no, you. Fix it. You modify it. You you make it better. But uh-huh. I guess I guess it, yeah. If anybody wants to say yeah, hack that. But um, yeah, I've I've done some some styles of that and incorporate a lot of um, you know Asian food in my like Asian flavors and mm-hmm. Middle Eastern flavors into my cooking because that's how I kind of started. Um, yeah, I was a Boy Scout that used to carry a backpack with a walk attached to it. Uh-huh. So I didn't want to starve while I was in the woods. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was, but yeah, the, the food trends, 
they're, you know, they're these spicier dishes, these more uh, modern traditional dishes that come from the Middle East and, and from, you know, different uh, Asian cultures. I mean, you know, some guy discovered goju chang and now it's on everybody's menu. Yeah, you know, but I, I, I use it, you know, I mean, yeah, sriracha even. And, you know, now yeah, everybody's eating ramen and now like sushi is gone crazy. Like, you know, the amount of sushi that gets sold now is it's is, insane. It's insane. You know, and, you know, I, I like Yoshitomo. Uh, <laughs> I love Dave. Yeah. Yes, but there, there's, there's other great sushi in this town, but I like Yoshitomo. <laughs> So, um, I guess as, as we kind of wind down here, I want to, for two reasons, I would, I want you to bring up what you've got planned for Valentine's day. Then that's to encourage people to We're get booked. out for Valentine's day, but also come on, come on Saturday. We're booked on Saturday. We're okay. Come on, on Saturday. Yeah, so, we're booked. We've okay. Been, people don't come on Friday. Weeks. Eat in on Friday. We've got a wait list of disappointing people. I'm sorry, but we've been, we've been booked for a couple weeks. Now. So eat in on yeah. Friday, but come out on Saturday. And, and Thursday is great. Day. And Thursday. But yeah. like, I, I want to like help people understand just the kinds of thing. And we've talked about some of them, but the kinds of things that are on the menu. So just like tease some taste buds here with what people can expect. Uh, well, we're doing, okay. So, for that night, we're doing a uh, our date night menu, which is an upscale date night menu, which is eighty five dollars a couple. But there, if you've seen our date night menu, there you pay a little extra when you get the wagyu steak. This is an all inclusive thing, so um, we're we're changing our pasta. We're actually changing our chicken. We're doing a, um, a chicken roulade, which we're making a sausage, and then we take two of the breasts and put them together, and then sous vide it. And then we actually, when we butcher it, we take the entire skin off. And rewrap the skin around. So you've got, like, your chicken is, like, round. It's got the sausage in the middle and the, the breast meat. So it's, uh-huh. been, it's been brined. It's juicy. It's, we'll, we'll butter-baste it with herbs and uh, with, with thyme and garlic. Um, then that gets served with uh, polenta and a cranberry jus. Uh, we are still sticking with a um, different preparation on our steak, but we're doing uh, uh, imperial wagyu strip loin um, for that steak that day. Uh, a different pasta. It's uh, what is it? Beet and potato pasta with uh, duck confit. And then, like tasting menu is going to be fantastic. Uh, it's a big brie with strawberry and oh arugula. So we're doing kind of a, a twist on a little aphrodisiac menu. Yeah. And then there's one course that has a choice because I'm doing a raw fish preparation on both of them. I'm doing oysters and then I'm doing a tuna tartare. And the only reason I'm given a choice to that, because I honestly agree, you know, some people, it took me a while to like really like oysters. Yeah. But, yeah. It's an acquired it, taste. It is. It is. So I don't want to force that on anybody, but you know, we, you've got a choice of the tuna tartare on that one. Um, and then we're doing asparagus soup with, uh, with, with toasted hollandaise and, and crab meat. Um, then we do a, uh, doing a Cornish game hen with cornbread stuffing and root vegetables. Uh, and then do another uh, Wagyu steak preparation on, on there and then finish up with a, a chocolate cake. So Oof. kind of a death by chocolate thing with like oh hazelnut buttercream. That's like I do. I that I make a chocolate cake and I make a carrot cake. And that's as cakey as I get. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need. Just give me chocolate cake. Right. Who needs yeah. anything more? And yeah. people, as good as... All that sounds, it looks even better. Like these 
these dishes are like works of art. They come out looking like something that should be painted, not thrown into my mouth. But I'm happy to throw it into my mouth because it tastes delicious. So... As I think to myself, it has to look like sex on a plate. Okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and before we get out of here, Tyler, I want to bring you back in real quick. If people want to get hooked up with Passport Unlimited and start experiencing you know, the benefits of getting to know these restaurants better, how can they do that? Yeah, just call uh, my office here in Omaha at 402-398-1300. Gotcha. Just, they can talk to anybody that answers the phone. That's awesome. All right, gentlemen, this was a true pleasure today. Thank you so much for coming and, and joining me and, and talking about some tasting menus. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Uh, I'll be back with a Quick Bites episode on Tuesday, another episode next week. We're just going to keep this thing rolling. Thanks for eating with me. A Parkville Media Production.